Every now and then, there shall be a Sunday edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement due to various logistics and rerouted circuits. There is a great deal to process to get through the various steps required to deliver this distilled information to you, and for some reason it was necessary today to break the format. I'm Sean Tubbs, candidly admitting that perhaps I just forgot what day it was. On today's edition, the Charlottesville Planning Commission is waiting on legal advice before making a recommendation on the city's proposed development code. There's a vacancy on the Greene County Board of Supervisors, which means there will be three new faces on the elected body in January. There's money for affordable housing projects in Charlottesville, and a snapshot of the plan to build a new reservoir to allow more growth in Greene County. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, this year, the Rivanna Conservation Alliance had a large number of community volunteers take part in the Rivanna River Roundup. On September 16th, 270 people joined in to help clean up over 28 miles of river and trail. They collected over 202 bags of trash. Take a look at the photo gallery on their website, and while you're there, learn more about the restoration plan for Riverview Park in Charlottesville consider volunteer opportunities, receive recent monitoring reports, and consider a donation. All of that is accessible at rivanariver.org. Top elected and appointed officials in Charlottesville continue to spend time reviewing proposed new rules for building new structures that will allow significantly more residential density throughout the city, as well as more commercial uses in residential neighborhoods. Both the City Council and the Planning Commission continued their review of the Development Code this past week, with commissioners taking some time on October 4th. Chair Hosea Mitchell said at the beginning of the meeting that they would not be taking any action. We will not be in the position to make a recommendation today. We are waiting for more feedback from all the legal entities regarding the anti-displacement language. Mitchell said he hoped that language would be ready before the commission's meeting on October 10th for their review. He said Neighborhood Development Services Director James Fries will circulate revisions for the commission to review. What might be in that language? Some clues may be in the set of deliberations that the Planning Commission had on September 19th, 2023. You can read my story, as I don't think the minutes are available just yet. In addition, Council held a second discussion this past Tuesday, which I hope to have a summary of in an upcoming edition of the newsletter. I'll have more details of the October 10th meeting of the Planning Commission in the next week ahead. There are two public hearings on that agenda for projects seeking development permission under the existing code. There's a sudden vacancy on the Greene County Board of Supervisors. On Friday, the county issued a press release which says this. Supervisor Abby Heflin has regretfully resigned from the Greene County Board of Supervisors for the Stannardsville District. No further reason was given for her resignation, but the press release does offer a quote from correspondence with her colleagues. She did not appear at the September 26th meeting of the board. In a quote, she says, It has been a great pleasure to serve the citizens of our lovely county, and an honor to serve with you. How to fill the vacancy will be one of the topics on the Board of Supervisors meeting on October 10th. Heflin was not up for election this year, but three other magisterial districts are. 
Heflin was elected in November 2021 in a close race with fellow independent Tina Dean. Heflin won 963 votes out of 1,902, or 50.6% of the vote that year. There are three seats on the ballots this year, as I said, and at-large Supervisor Dale Herring opted to not seek another term. Independents Todd Michael Sansom and Francis Xavier McGuigan are on the ballot to replace him. Incumbent Davis Lamb is the lone candidate for the Ruckersville District. Monroe District Supervisor Steve Bowman opted not to run for another term, but no one qualified to be on the ballot. The Mad Rap Recorder reported in August that a woman seeking the seat failed to provide enough signatures. The article goes on to report that Denise Shiflett was charged with a felony statement for providing false information in connection with that attempt. The Green Journal reported on August 22nd that Shiflett issued an offered plea in connection with the case. More details in that story. Shiflett has not filed any campaign finance reports with the Virginia Department of Elections, nor does there appear to be an organized write-in campaign. Am I missing anything? Let me know if you know something. The affordable housing plan adopted by the Charlottesville City Council in March of 2021 called for additional funding as well as increased transparency for how that money is to be used. With that in mind, the latest NOFO for HOPS has been published. That's a notice for funding opportunity for housing operations and support. Here's a section from a press release on the matter. HOPS funding is available to help community agencies in Charlottesville that work on affordable housing and homelessness support. This program is primarily funded by the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund and administered by the city's Office of Community Solutions. There's $575,000 available in this round of funding, with the money available to grantees on July 1st, 2024. The links in the press release were broken at publication time. There's also a NOFA, which means Notice of Funding Availability for Other Housing Funding Opportunities. Applications for the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund will be open from October 12th through November 16th. There's $835,000 available in this year's cycle, and funds will be used to directly support affordable housing projects or initiatives. Applications for community development block grant and home funding will be taken from January 8th through February 8th. This is funding that comes from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. There is a to-be-determined amount for funds available for housing development partnerships for projects that require significant investment consideration by the city. Further details are available on the city's website at charlottesville.gov. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second subscriber-supported shout-out, on October 11th at 6 p.m., the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society will host speakers who will give an introduction to the world of archaeological research at Monticello. The talk at the Center at Belvedere will provide an overview of work conducted near Thomas Jefferson's house, as well as off the mountaintop and explain how the artifacts recovered from these excavations provide scholars with critical pieces of information about the people who occupied this landscape before and during Thomas Jefferson's lifetime. 
Artifacts from various Monticello sites will be made available for attendees to see and discuss after the talk. Visit the Center at Belvedere's website for more information or sign up for the event on Facebook. The presentation will be live-streamed and collected for future viewings. That's the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society, October 11th, and a talk on archaeology at Monticello. Green County is working to expand their water supply by impounding the waterway called White Run to create a new reservoir. The idea has been in the planning stages for some time and throughout the tenure of several county administrators. On September 26th, relatively new administrator Kathy Shafrick had her turn to give a briefing to the four supervisors present. The idea of this is to do a series, a continuing series of what we're planning to do with these water projects. The main thrust of today's presentation is going to be on the White Run Water Project, which is in progress. Shafrick said another project that is needed in the near future is a replacement of the Standardsville water line, as the existing infrastructure there is around 70 years old. That's not part of the rest of this discussion. The Rapidan Service Authority was created 54 years ago to help create a municipal water supply for Greene County. It has now been 21 years since the last major drought in the area, a drought that prompted renewed interest in providing more storage capacity. A new water supply plan was crafted back in 2008. Back in 2011, when the White Run property was purchased after discussion of many, many options, um, that shows you that this goes back more than 20 years. In 2017, a previous Board of Supervisors voted to proceed with capital projects necessary for this project. Two years later, engineering work for the new dam was completed. However, the Rapid End Service Authority refused to proceed, and Greene County left that organization to go it alone. And right now, where we are in 2023 is the entrance road for the Division One, which we'll give more detail on, is already started. On September 26th, Greene County was in drought conditions. The existing water supply depends on taking water straight from the Rapidan River with no storage. We're at the mercy of the water flow. Herb White, with the firm WW Associates, said this is the longest infrastructure project he's been part of, with over 20 years of involvement. The project has now moved into the implementation phase after all of that planning. So what we've done to it is to break it up into five divisions of work. That first division is construction of the access road to the site and is expected to be completed early next year. Second division is raw water line. So the old water plant will be converted to a pump station so that we can pump water out of the river during wet periods. And we need a raw water line from there to the reservoir so we can fill it up. So this is the fill line. Permits and approvals are in place, but some easements still need to be obtained. The third division of work is to create a new intake to replace the cables and pipes that currently perform this task. This project is ready to go to bid. The fourth division is the reservoir itself, which has a permit from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, which expires in June of 2028. That project's been designed as well. Uh, it's, it is ready for bidding with the, uh, with the exception that we need, need two pieces of property. 
The final piece of work is a new water treatment plant capable of producing 3 million gallons a day. Your current plant's 1.1, and the purpose of that larger capacity is growth projected over the next 30 years. The plant is approximately 50 years old and needs replacement even without additional growth in the county. We estimate the cost, if it was to be replaced, would be roughly in the 50 to $70 million range, uh, with the possible exception that we don't have the real estate to build it at that particular location. How to pay for all of this? Right now, the county has taken on about $14 million in debt to cover the cost of engineering and the roadway. That amount will be rolled into a longer-term debt package to cover the rest of the project. Courtney Rogers is a senior vice president of Davenport and Company. The need now is an estimated uh, construction cost of 75 to 100 million. Um, and one of the things we may end up doing is actually break that up. We may end up doing a portion now and a portion later because of the bidding environment and things like that. Davenport said one issue is that the federal government is no longer helping to subsidize the cost to construct new infrastructure through low interest loans. That means Greene County will have to finance the project itself over 30 years or more at today's interest rates. We're looking at debt service that could be in the six to eight million dollar range uh, per year. And as you as you all know, when you, we look at the finances of the county, water and sewer rates uh, for customers are probably not going to be able to carry the full cost of that debt service. Alan Harrison is the director of Albemarle County's Water and Sewer Department, a brand new agency created to take on the functions of the Rapidan Service Authority. Harrison said the access road will be complete in the spring of 2024, and the water line will take about 18 months of construction once a bid is awarded. If we are able to advertise it uh, early next year, we anticipate completing that uh, late 2025. Uh, the raw water intake and pump station, we're hoping we can bid that uh, before the end of this calendar year, and that would be finished up uh, late 2025 with a 24-month construction period. Harrison said the reservoir itself could take three years to build and another year to fill. The current goal is to put that project to bid in mid-2024. Outgoing Supervisor Dale Herring said the project has been in the works for years. I thought we would start breaking ground probably in like 2019, and then there was a delay, which we all went through the past four years, and we got that process resolved, and now it's under our control. So at this point in time, there's no reason for us to hold this project up. And if we do, to be quite honest with you, we have no one to blame but ourselves. Davis Lamb is running unopposed this year, and he said he supports the project. What do the other particular candidates say? I want to know, and maybe I'll try to find out. In the meantime, the next briefing will be held in January of 2024, when the new Board of Supervisors is in place. At that point, there will be at least three new supervisors. Sunday edition? Well, in a perfect world, there would be one every day. Until then, I highly recommend you bookmark my Substack Notes page for updates on where I am at any particular time. I made the choice today to do this version, as opposed to doing the week ahead, because I wanted to get through a few of these items before getting on to the next ones. 
I hope to get that weekly summary out tomorrow morning. I'm able to do all of this because of paid subscriptions through Substack as well as Patreon contributions. Patreon supporters cover a lot of things such as the work on the experimental 5th District community engagement. What's the point? Well, it's my conviction that a democracy requires detailed descriptions on what people elected to positions are doing. That seems to have fallen out of fashion, but I've always been driven by an insatiable need to know what's going on. Hundreds of you are supporting me here on Substack, which makes me think one day my dream of a world clad in plaid may come true. Metaphorically speaking, thanks a lot. We'll see you next time.